Well, good morning, Connection Church. Um, it's so good to, to be here with you this morning online. Um, we're just so thankful for uh, technology to be able to do what we're able to do here this morning. God has blessed us in, in, in many ways, and I just want to give you an opportunity now to uh, to continue your worship um, through tithes and, and offerings. Uh, um, there's, a, there's a link on this live stream if, if that's what you choose to do. There's also um, a website that you can go to. It's connection-savannah.com slash give. Um, and you can continue worshiping in that way. Um, but we're so blessed to be able to be with you this morning um, live from church, uh, wherever you're at, whether you're sitting on a, on a couch somewhere with your family or in a living room or in your, or in your, uh, or your kitchen table, wherever you may be at. We're just so glad that you're here uh, being able to join us this morning as a church because what I love about this season of life that we're in, one is that uh, the church has left the building and we believe that the church is most effective when they're, not, when they're not inside the building, but when they're out in the world doing what God's called them to do. And so um, what I love about our, 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 the times that we're living in is that we're able to, to meet on a Sunday morning still or still gather as the body of Christ to worship together, to, to sing praises to our King, but also to dig into Scripture together and to look into uh, just what He's calling us to do as a body. And so... Um, I wanted to kind of give you a couple of updates. Next Sunday, if you have a pen or a piece of paper, write this down. Um, next Sunday, you'll probably see a few announcements about this between now and then. We're going to be meeting at 10.30 a.m., same time, same place, on the Facebook Live channel. Um, uh, depending on what happens in the world over the next week, um, it may be from a living room or it may be here. We're not, we're not sure yet how that goes because... I'm not sure if you realize this or not, but this week has been one of the, the, the busiest and longest weeks of my life, and I'm sure it has been for you guys too, as, as, as we not, we're not sure what the next day holds. And so, um, but just because, what I want to share with you, just because we're not meeting physically doesn't mean that you can't still be involved in our church. Um, our, our Connection Kids coordinator, our, our guest services coordinator, um, just our discipleship pastor, myself, um, we're all um, working behind the scenes to make sure that you still feel connected and um, it's connected to the body, but because what I see, if you look on uh, Connection Kids, our Facebook page, you can see things that you can do with your family, some memory verses that you can go through with your kids, um, some family worship times during the week, because what, we, what I love about this is that what God is doing, I feel like, is He's slowing us down. I feel like He's slowing us down as a culture because um, there's been so many things that we're able to do now that we couldn't have done three or four weeks ago. And what I want to encourage you with is to spend some time with your family in worship, spend some time with your family in, uh, in the Word, spend some time with your family in prayer, um, not just for your family, but for our, our church, for our, our country, um, and for whatever church that you may attend that you're, um, that you're watching from this morning. And so um, today we're going to be starting a new series that's going to be called Faith Over Fear. Um, faith Over Fear. When I believe um, as Christians, we're called to live by faith, not by sight. We're called to live by faith, not in fear. We're not called to live in anxiety. We're not called to live in worry. We're not called to live in, in uh, just in a constant state of, of what's coming next because we have a Father that, that is in control of all things, like you heard this morning from Mark chapter 4, that He calms the storms. He's in control of the storms. And what I love is as we're going to dig into this this morning, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, if you want to go ahead and turn there. But before we do, the question that we want to answer through this series is what is the church's proper response to crisis? What is the church's proper response to trials, to persecution, to things that we go through that we may not have the answers to, that we may not be able to control? How do we respond as a church? Not just Connection Church Savannah, but any church around the world. How does the church respond when everything around us is, is chaotic? Um, so what do we do? 
Uh, right now, a status report, uh, the COVID-19 virus is spreading as we speak. I think this morning I saw a, a latest status is there's 310,000 cases worldwide of, uh, that's being affected by this virus. The stock market is, is plunging at, the, at a rate that hasn't been seen in 10 years. Uh, for some of you sports fans, there's no sports. Uh, that's, for some of you, that's news. Um, March Madness has been canceled. My wife and I's vacation was canceled and we're all out of toilet paper, right? So what is going on? What in the world is going on? Is the world coming to an end? What's going to happen? Will, will life ever get back to normal again? So what is our response supposed to be? How does the church respond? Do we stockpile uh, bread and milk, toilet paper? Do we, do we, do we stockpile canned goods and, and things that we're going to need just in case? Do we panic? Do we give in to anxiety, to fear? Do we spend more time in prayer? No, what is our response to things and words like quarantine or social distancing or pandemics? What is our response? What are we going to do in times of crisis where the future seems unsure, when we have to draw closer to Jesus, we have to depend on Him, we have to cry out to Him, and we're called to rest in Christ. As disciples of Christ, you can look all throughout Scripture. The filter that forms our decisions rests in our identity in Him. Romans 12, verse 2. If you look here, it says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. While our culture is panicking, the church is meant to rest in Christ. While the culture is lost in anxiety, the church is meant to be solid, to be a firm foundation, to be leaning in on Jesus so that we can be the hands and the feet and the light of this world that Jesus came to put us in and to be able to do the work that he's called us to do. Our main text, as I said, is in Philippians chapter 4. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, I'll give you a few seconds. That's a verse, we're going to read verses 4 through 9. And I want, let's read this together as a body across our, our counties, across um, our state, wherever you're watching from. Let's read this together. It says this, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer in petition with, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the, and the God of peace will be with you. So let's pray together. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your, the truth that's in your word. We thank you, Father, that we can lean and depend on you, Father, in times of trial and struggle. Lord, I pray that for the person this morning that may be watching who is, who is dealing with fear and anxiety, Father, and a lack of control has just gotten them into a place where they never thought they would be. Father, I pray that you would protect them, that you would guide them, that you would lead them out of that. God, that you would show them that you're the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. Father, the, the, the secure force that we can trust on, Father. So this morning, as we dig into Philippians 4, Father, I pray that you would just be in the Word, that you would guide us, you would lead us through your Word, that you would teach us all things. Lord, in your name I pray. Amen. 
Okay, so this morning as we've been dealing with this, we've been walking through this Philippians 4, what Paul, as I'll read this, what Paul wanted more than anything else for followers of Jesus that he had influence over was for them to be characterized by the fruit of the Spirit and not fear. Um, the title of our sermon series is Faith Over Fear. And Paul wanted them to dig in to their faith and not to dig into fear or, or struggle or anxiety. Because if you think about what culture Paul was, was living in, there was, Paul was literally writing this from a prison cell, a dungeon. And, and you think about the disease and the, and the different things that these people faced day in and day out. Leprosy was involved. There's all types of things that these people were facing. But the church was meant to rise above, to live in love, to live in joy, to live in peace, to live in patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control and all down the line. But that's what he wants for us as well. He wants that for us as well. But in order for the Philippians to experience these fruits, Paul knew that Christ must be center in every believer's life. He had to be center in every aspect of our lives. And so like Paul, we all know that sometimes the trials and the pressures of life, the, the coronavirus as they come in, and it, it makes it almost impossible sometimes to be happy. But Paul wasn't telling his readers to be happy. I didn't, I didn't read him to say, be happy always. And again, I say, be happy. But he encouraged them to rejoice in the Lord. Paul was saying, he was given an example by, by the way that he lived of, of, who, of, of, of one who had inner joy even when external circumstances such as persecutions, shipwrecks, beatings, stonings, imprisonment, the threat of death were hard to navigate. I'm sure, I'm sure that Paul had a hard time walking through those things in his flesh. But he was living by the Spirit. He told them to rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. But the thing is, this is where Paul goes. Paul goes in for a second time. He says, I will say again, rejoice. And as I was reading through this and kind of walking through this this week, um, rejoice, the word rejoice literally means to show great joy, to delight. It says to show great joy and delight. And so as I look at this in a time where I'm not sure what's going on, I'm not sure what's happening around us, why the things that are happening are happening, how do I show great joy and delight to the people around me when the world is in chaos, when the world is giving into fear and worry and anxiety? How do I show great joy and delight to a world around me? Because I'm going to be honest with you, like to always, it says always, rejoice in the Lord always, to show joy and delight always makes some of you who are watching feel some sort of anxiety even thinking about that, right? For some of you watching, let's just be, weird, be, be real here, it's work to get a smile out of you some days, much less great joy because some of us live in that moment of, oh, oh man, something else has gone wrong, or this has gone wrong, or that's gone wrong. But joy, the joy of the Lord that we have in Christ through our salvation produces something inside of us that's supernatural. It doesn't come from us. And joy produces thanksgiving in us that, that worry can't touch. And that's why books like Hebrews and Colossians tell us to, to fix our eyes on Jesus to set our minds, to set our hearts on heaven where our salvation is. And this mindset is how Paul was able to say these things with, with, with much influence. He said things like, to, to live as Christ, to die as gain. But as we look at Philippians 4, let's look a little bit deeper at the word worry. If you, look in the, if you, if you have your Bible out or your phone or your YouVersion app or wherever you're at, 
If you look back into the scripture where it says in verse 6, don't worry about anything, a lot of us have looked right past that. You know, we we look at that as something like a, uh, just a, a, a kind of a suggestion. But if you look at the word, you can exchange that word for anxiety. Don't be anxious. Don't panic. Don't be afraid. The Greek word there for that, it can be in, in context of, of Philippians 4, 6, can actually mean to be pulled in different directions, to go to be pulled this way and that way. And our hopes are pulling us one way, our fears are pulling us the other way, and we have no control. And it, and it creates this lack of control, and we feel desperate. And some of you are like, yes, amen, I know how you feel. I'm feeling that way right now. I'm in that moment. Um, if you look at the old English word, if you read some of your King James versions or some of these older versions of the Bible, that's what uh, language those were originally written, written in, is that we, the, the, word for, the word for worry, the word we get our word worry from means to strangle. It means to, like, to cut off the air, to, to, make us, to make us feel frozen or paralyzed. And if you've ever really worried about something, some of you watching may struggle with anxiety or fear just by, just by nature. You just may walk outside and be scared of everything that's around you. You, may, you just might be just anxious about all things. But what I want to share with you, you know what, I'm, you know what it means to be, to be strangled, to be frozen and paralyzed by worry. I don't want to make a decision because I, I, it might be the wrong decision. I don't want to go do this or do that because it might be wrong. And it just it just might it might lead me down a path that I'm not sure I want to go down because what if this decision is better that I didn't make right? Well, worry, worry. If you if you think about it, some of you can relate. Worry even has physical consequences: headaches, neck pains, ulcers, back pains, all these things. It will cut your life short. And what worry affects most is our thinking. It, it, it messes up our thinking and our, and our hearts and the way that we, that we go into relationships and we relate to people. And, and some of you may even have become so accustomed to fear, though, is what I want to share is like some of you listening may have become so accustomed to fear and worry in your life that these symptoms have, have just become a normal part of life. Like you're just so used to worrying, you're so used to being anxious that it's just how I am and it's just how things go and I'm just going to go about life as normal. But from a spiritual point of view, worry, all worry is, is wrong thinking and wrong feeling. Those two things. That's why Colossians instructs us to do two things. Set our minds on Christ. Set our, our, our hearts on Christ. Because worry is the greatest thief of your joy. Worry is the greatest thief of your joy, but, but it's not enough for me as a pastor or for any one of the other pastors on staff to tell you, hey, quit worrying. Stop worrying. Stop that, right? Because th- that will never capture the thief that's coming after your joy. That will never capture the thief that's trying to destroy your life, who we call Satan. The remedy to worry is a secure mind. Look what verse 7 says. It says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will what? will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. And if you look at deeper into that scripture, that means a, a garrison. It will, build a, it will build a garrison around your hearts and your mind to protect you from unhealthy thinking. It will secure your mind. So when you have a secure mind, the peace of God, 
guards your heart. The peace of God, which surpasses our understanding. How am I able to be peace in a time of a pandemic? How am I able to be, have peace in time of persecution? How am I able to have peace when I'm being hurt because of my faith or, or losing job or losing uh, money or whatever it may be because of something that I have to do or decide based on my faith? How am I able to have peace? Because the peace of God, which surpasses anything that I can understand as a pastor, anything that you can understand as a person in, in and at home sitting in your, in your couch, it surpasses all things. So what kind of protection, with that type of protection, the peace of God, having the peace of God at our beck and call whenever we need it because he's, he's given it to us, how could we worry? The only answer is that we haven't put our trust and our hope in Jesus in those moments to let him conquer those fears and worries and put our hope and our trust in him, the, the calmer and the and the the leader, and the, the, the one who commands the storms. And so if we, if we conquer worry and live with a secure mind, we must, we must get three things right. Right praying, what it talks about in, in, in chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Right thinking, Philippians 4, 8. And then right living, Philippians 4, 9. So we're going to be praying whenever we're worrying. We're going to be thinking right thoughts. We're going, to be cha- we're going to be taking our thoughts captive like it says in Scripture. And then we're going to live right so that we can put Christ first in all we do. And as I was thinking through these, these, these things, as I was thinking through our response to, to crisis and fear, as I was thinking through what is the church's proper response, there's two or three things that came to my mind at, at first. And it, the first one, First um, Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this. It says, For God has not given us a, fear, a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and of sound judgment. Some people say, a, some versions say a sound mind. And so the first point for me in this is I'm reading scripture. As the church, we're not of this world. We've been set apart. So we aren't meant to react like the world. So the point is, we're not of this world, so we're not meant to act like the world. We're not meant to react like the world in times of trial and crisis. In times like this, it's easy to make decisions. Um, It's easy to make reckless decisions and call it faith. I've had many friends who are like, I'm still going to church. I'm still going to do this. I'm still going to do that. I'm doing all this stuff still because this is, you know, the government can't tell me what to do. I got faith in Jesus. Hallelujah, right? Well, it's easy to make reckless decisions and call it faith, but it's just as easy to make fearful decisions and call it wisdom, right? Both are wrong. Philippians 1, if you turn over a couple of chapters, let's look at what Paul says. Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 26. Paul's writing to the Philippians saying, My eager expectation and hope is that I will, I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, will have courage, will have all courage. Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether life or by death. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which I should choose. I'm torn between the two. I, I, I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in in faith. So that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ may abound. What kind of peace and confidence does it take to write words like these from a prison cell? If you're the Romans, what do you do with a man like this? Like, somebody who thinks like this, what do you do? You can't kill the guy because 
You're giving him what he wants most to be with Jesus. You can't let him live because you're not going to stop him from preaching the gospel. So you're kind of at a loss of what to do. Listen, as followers of Jesus, if you're sitting in your living room this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, I want to tell you right now, you may not feel like it, but you have been set apart for a purpose. You've been set apart and you're meant and you're not meant to react or respond like the world responds. You can see this in Paul's words. But how do you do that? You cling to promises like John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 27. We talked about this in our midweek devotion this week. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace. This is Jesus. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And I shared uh, the New Living Translation version as well during our, um, our time together on Wednesday. But I love the way that this reads. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Is this, is this the right version? First is the NLT. It says this, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And so you see the first um, section of scripture says, I am leaving you with a gift. So the peace of God is a gift. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And so you see the peace of God is a gift that we trample on too often. Do you see that? The peace of God is something that we just kind of overstep, look past too often. But when we see Christ for who he is, when we see Jesus for who he is, there is nothing in this life that can take us off course because our eyes are fixed on him. All throughout scripture, you see verses like I talked about in Hebrews, like you see in Colossians, and you see very actional words that say fix, set. That means if I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus, I'm not able to move. If I'm setting my heart and my mind on Jesus, nothing in this world, nothing the enemy throws at me can take me off of my gaze on Jesus because the beauty of Christ that has captivated and captured my heart cannot be taken off of that because he is my Lord, he is my Savior, he is my supply everything that I need, and I go to him, and I go to him, and he gives me what? Peace. His gift of peace. I open that gift every time that I have worry. He gives me a gift. I open it, and there's peace in times of struggles. So yes, we're wise as a body of church, as a body of Christ, but we're also fearless. We're also fearless because we're, we're leaning into the one who's unchanging. He's working when we're not. He's working when we're struggling or worrying or, or struggling with fear. We lean into his peace, man. Church, let me tell you, we live, in, we live by faith, not by fear. We live in faith, not by fear. And this alone is what opens the door for us to be the church. In the face of circumstances and pandemics and trials and, and persecutions, respond as someone who is the child of the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. If you let your mind think about that, what is there to fear? Because my father, my daddy, my Abba has all authority to do anything he wants to do in heaven and on earth. There's not one molecule that can come against me that he does not allow. So any area of fear or pandemic or panic or anxiety or worry we face and the result is the result of a mind or a heart that hasn't been set on Christ. So those areas that you're seeing that you're struggling with this morning, my heart would be that you would give those to Jesus, that you would set your gaze on him and that you would let him have those things in the, in, in the midst of a storm. The second thing I see is our faith is not determined by our circumstances. 
Psalms chapter 62, verse 1 says this, I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. Another version would say, my soul rests in God alone. Our faith doesn't rest in our health. Our faith doesn't rest in our economic system, our job, or anything else besides Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus. If it does, you're in trouble. If it does, you're in trouble. The problem is we live in a church culture that says with their mouth that their joy rests in Jesus, but their lives say otherwise. In an uncertain world, guys, we need a church that's eyes are fixed on Jesus. In a fearful world, we need a church that's fearless. We need a church that is, is going to the front lines and loving people and, 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 and providing for people's material and spiritual needs. In a time where the truth has been sold for lies and people are seeking, when the media is pumping fear to boost ratings, we need to cling to the hope that we have in Jesus. We need to cling to the hope that we have in Christ. Hope, love, peace, joy, all the fruits of the Spirit are way more contagious than any virus this world has ever seen. And we're better together. As a church, we're stronger together. In the middle of all of this, in the middle of quarantines and isolation and the inability to be the church, we're better together, which leads me to my last point today is that we're still not meant to do life alone or isolated. The church was never meant to be isolated, to be an isolated group of people. The, the church was never meant to, to, to live apart or to, to be sectioned off. The church was meant to live together in unity, to see the places that they were placed in reached with the hope of the gospel, to be reached with the love of Jesus and every crisis that you've seen throughout history, this world has ever walked through, throughout history, the church has stepped in and made incredible impacts on the world for that brought glory to the name of Jesus. There's a church, um, there's a church historian, um, his, his name is Eusebius. He wrote about a fourth century pandemic that, that swept through the Roman Empire. And far from fleeing the cities or running away or shutting off their homes from other people, Eusebius records that all day long, Christians tended to the dying and to the burial of people, countless numbers with, with no one to care for them, not even their families would bury them. Other groups of believers gathered together from all parts of the city to minister to those hurt by famine and distributed bread to all of them. And as a result, he writes that the Christians' deeds were on everybody's lips and they glorified God they glorified the God of the Christians. So in time of social distancing, in a time where we're submitting to our authorities and we're, we're trying to, to do our part of not spreading this virus, in a time where we're doing this thing to, to and his church may look a little different, my challenge to you, whether you go to Connection Church Savannah or whether you're a part of any body around this city or state or nation or world, is that you would not neglect meeting together. Get creative. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in their habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as we see the day approaching. So my, my challenge is for you to fight for unity, fight for community. 
fight during this time to be the church and not allow complacency and fear to win the day. Guys, we're the church of Jesus Christ and we are called to be the brightest light shining in the darkness to bring the light to dark circumstances. But as we do that, we fight for faith. We build one another up. We encourage one another. Guys, you are the light of the world. The church doesn't put, a, put its light away when there's circumstances that are scary. The church doesn't put its light away when there's a crisis or a pandemic. Their light shines brighter in the darkness. The darker the world becomes, the brighter Jesus shines through his church. And the things I want to leave you with today is this. I, want to, I believe God is opening a huge door for his church. I believe there's a door that is wide open. I believe that this is a wake-up call. I believe he is calling his church to repent and turn to him. And I believe he's opened a door for us to be the church, kind of a, a reset, kind of a get your mind right for a second, to humble ourselves and submit to him on our knees as Lord. There's a passage of Scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. And he says that God's saying, if I shut the sky so there's no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence or disease on my people, and my people who bear my name, follower of Jesus Christian, if you're a Christian this morning, you bear the name of Jesus. If they humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And I believe at the end of this, what's going to happen at the end of this whole thing that we're dealing with, the church will be set for revival. The stage will be set for the gospel to be shared very well. The, the, there'll be fertile ground in people's hearts because for some people in our communities, for the first time, they've been faced with their mortality. They've been faced with a faceless enemy called COVID-19 that, that has shaken them to their core. And we're called as the church to be the light, to share the gospel, to, to bring hope to a dark place. And if you look in Revelations chapter three, you can write this down, look at it later. This is Jesus talking, sharing with the church of Philadelphia saying, I know all the things you do and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. I have opened a door for you that no one can close. Guys, you can look at this crisis as a problem or you can look at it as an opportunity. God is opening a door for his church to move outside the walls. The church is most effective when the room that I'm standing in is most empty. What I see happening in the, is, the, is the doors of the church being shut because God wants people to get out and be the church to the people around them. I see idolatry being exposed. We need to repent. I see family time being prioritized. It means we need to spend time in our homes and, and with our wives and husbands and children sharing the love of Jesus with them. I see so much grace in this. God is giving us grace. God is giving us a chance to recenter our gaze. It sort of reminds me of, of Acts chapter 8, where Jesus told the disciples, told the Christians to go spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. But the church was having a holy huddle in Jerusalem for years and years and years. And then in Acts 8, you see God allowing persecution. God allowed the persecution to spread the church across the known world. And it says, as they went, everywhere they went, they found themselves doing what? 
sharing the gospel, sharing the hope that was found in Jesus. And so now possibly more than ever in your life, you as a church, you will have one of the greatest opportunities to share Christ and love and generosity to those around you. You literally be the hands and feet of Jesus can use to love people that are right in front of you. But not only material things, guys, but spiritual. People need the hope that's found in Jesus. People may not be able to see Jesus, but in 1 John it talks about that Jesus being in us is going to give a perfect picture to the world of who Jesus is. The image of God is made complete when the church is unified, mature, and active. Church, we're not, we're not going to live in fear. We're not going to live in anxiety or worry. We're not going to give in to fear. We're going to live by faith. We're going to walk by faith. We're going to push forward. We're never going to back down. There's still kingdom work to do, and there's thankfully still time to do it. So let's not waste this opportunity that God has placed before us. And so this morning, I want to speak directly to you, church, to let's, let's, let's band together. Let's fight for unity. Let's fight for maturity. But I also want to speak to you, person, and that, is, that is sitting in your home or, or your car or wherever you may be, that this season of life has wrecked your faith. This season of life has caused you to be fearful instead of faithful. This season of life may have revealed to you that you may not know Jesus. I just want to say to you that Jesus loves you. Jesus is not mad at you. Jesus doesn't hate you or want you to to, to just float off into the distance. I, I know that you're probably scared. I know that you're scared. And if you don't know Jesus, that you have nowhere to place your trust and you have no source of eternal hope. But this is what I know, is that Jesus loved you so much that he gave his life so that you could live. The Bible says that because we have all sinned, myself, every person you saw on this stage a moment ago, everybody that you see around you, every person that you've ever known or will know, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, have sinned and fallen short of his perfect standard for life. And the penalty for that sin is death. We literally can't do it. None of us, not me, not you, not anybody, no one. But because of Jesus, there was a way made for all people to have peace with God. Romans 10 says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. All that we're called to do is to repent of our sins, saying, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know that I have fallen short of your standard, and I'm sorry. God, help me. And you put your trust in him alone for salvation. And the Bible says you're saved. And so this morning, if you want to make that decision, I want to, in, in church, we usually get you to raise your hand or, or let us pray with you. But I want to get you to do something even more brave today. I want you to, I mean, I want to pray with you in a second. If you know that, that you need to make Jesus your Savior today, that you haven't put your trust in Him, but you want that eternal hope that's found in Him, I just want you to go down to the comments page, and I just want you to put, I trusted Jesus today. And I promise you, you're going to get a flood of messages saying, we love you, we're thankful for you, we're praying for you, and we're here for you. And so if that's a decision you want to make today, let's pray together. And after we're done, put that in the comments and say, I made the decision to trust in Jesus today because all it takes is you just to bow your head and just to say, Jesus, acknowledge him as your Lord and your Savior and putting your trust in him and repenting of your sins and turning to him, turning away from your sin and towards Jesus. And so Father God, we love you so much. 
We thank you for who you are and what you've done. We thank you for your son, Jesus, that he made a way when there was no way. We thank you, Lord, that you have provided the answer to our sins. God, we thank you, Lord, that, that, Lord, that you have still given us opportunity to do what you call us to do by, by loving you and, and loving people. Father, this morning I pray for the person that is, is dealing having a faith crisis or having um, just immense fear or anxiety, Lord. I pray for the person who knows they need to trust in you as their Lord and their Savior, God, who's been playing games with their faith. I pray this morning they will be brave enough to turn their hearts and their lives over to you, to trust in you as their, their Lord and their Savior, and they will repent and turn to you, Father. God, we love you. God, we, we want to celebrate with those people, God. We just want to just, uh, just, just glorify your name this morning for all that you're going to do in someone's life through these words we read in Scripture in Philippians. God, we thank you. God, we rejoice in you. God, we rejoice in our salvation. God, we're thankful that we have a church and the technology to do what we get to do. We just praise you. In your name I pray. Amen. So thank you for being with us today. We pray that you would just join us next week at 1030. Um, go and like our page, go and share and comment, whatever else that we do on, on social media these days. But uh, we love you and we're praying for you um, during this time. So have a great week.